right, Madam, Madam City Clerk, will you please call the roll? Oh, this is, uh, thank you for your patience, I'm new to this. Uh, we will now call to order the 1 p.m. meeting of the Housing Authority Special meeting on Tuesday, February 13th. Thank you, Vice Mayor. And as you know, the Housing Authority sits concurrently with the City Council. Council Member Kaplan. Here. Mayor Pro Tem Talamantes. Here. Council Member Valenzuela. Here. Council Member Guetta. Here. Council Member Jennings. I am here, Madam Clerk. Council Member Vang. I am here. We expect the mayor momentarily. Vice Mayor Maple. I am here. All right. And so, will uh, Council Member Valenzuela, do you want to lead us in the land acknowledging and Pledge of Allegiance? I would love it. Please stand if you are able for the opening acknowledgments in honor of Sacramento's indigenous people and tribal lands. To the original people of this land, the Nisanan people, the Southern Maidu, Valley and Plains Miwok, Putwin Wintun peoples, and the people of the Wilton Rancheria, Sacramento's only federally recognized tribe. May we acknowledge and honor the native people who came before us and still walk beside us today on these ancestral lands by choosing to gather today in the active practice of acknowledgement and appreciation for Sacramento's indigenous people's history, contributions, and lives. Thank you. Now please salute and pledge. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Thank you. All right. Welcome. And the mayor has joined us. No, we just finished with the Pledge of Allegiance, so okay. item number Thank you very much, Vice Mayor. Okay. Hi, hi, hi. Good afternoon, and I apologize uh, for being late. Thank you, Vice Mayor. Uh, item one, please. Um, the PowerPoint. Um, so today's presentation will be the first workshop for the City of Sacramento's 2025 Annual Action Plan and the Consolidated Plan for the Federal Entitlement Grant Programs. The purpose of today's workshop will be to provide information on the different federal programs and planning process and also to provide an opportunity to, to solicit project ideas and feedback and will be the first of a few opportunities over the next few months for you to provide input. I'll start by providing a brief overview on the requirements for the federal programs, go over the consolidated plan engagement process, and then I'll share with you the estimated 2025 city entitlements, examples of past projects, and lastly, I'll discuss the process and schedule moving forward. As a high-level overview, SHRA has been delegated authority by the City Council to administer formula program grants received from HUD on their behalf. These grants include Community Development Block Grant, or CDBG, Home Investment Partnership Program, or HOME, Emergency Solutions Block Grant, ESG, and Housing Opportunities for Persons with AIDS, or HOPWA. These are all entitlement grants, meaning that HUD uses a formula to determine how much we will receive each year. And further on, I'll describe which type of activities each of these programs cover. As part of accepting these grants, there are certain steps that HUD requires us to take. First, HUD requires grant recipients to complete a consolidated plan, which is a five-year plan that identifies community needs and establishes a long-term strategy to meet those needs. The next consolidated plan will cover the years 2025 through 2029, so this year we will be undergoing development of that consolidated plan. The process will involve extensive community outreach and consultation with relevant stakeholders and service providers. The consolidated plan will be adopted in October 
and must be submitted to, to HUD by November 15th. In addition to the consolidated plan, HUD also requires that we prepare an annual action plan, which identifies specific activities and projects that will be undertaken to meet the objectives identified in the consolidated plan. We have already kicked off the consolidated planning process this year by hiring a consultant who has excellent experience in leading the development of consolidated plans. And we are progressing with creating our community engagement strategy. We are envisioning a three-fold engagement strategy. First, we'll provide opportunities for public input at public hearings and by attending and possibly setting up booths in affected neighborhoods at local community events such as farmers markets. Second, we will develop and distribute a resident survey. This survey is still in the design phase and we will um, have it active starting this spring. Lastly, we will establish virtual stakeholder meetings to gather input from service providers, community groups, and other relevant parties. We welcome any feedback you have on this proposed engagement strategy. These next few slides will focus on the annual action plan and how we determine which projects or activities to fund, primarily focusing on the CDBG funds. First, the consolidated plan identifies the objectives for the best use of these funds, and we want to make sure the activities we fund align with these objectives. This slide shows the objectives developed in the last consolidated plan. Overall, they are to help create ladders of opportunity for low and moderate income residents through three different avenues affordable housing, public facilities and infrastructure, as well as public services. You will see these three categories reflected in how the CDBG funds are distributed in the action plan. In addition to meeting the consolidated plan objectives, we must also ensure the projects meet a HUD national objective. The vast majority of CDBG expenditures must meet the national objective of being an activity that benefits low to moderate income persons, which can be accomplished three ways. First, it can be an activity that benefits an area of low to moderate income, which means it needs to be located in a location that's primarily residential and at least 51% of those residents need to be low to moderate income. Second, we can also provide funding directly to low to moderate income clientele, which is individuals or households at or below area median income. As an example, in this category, we might fund shelters or Meals on Wheels. Lastly, we also fund low to moderate income housing, which helps to provide housing to individuals or households below 80% of the area median income. This is usually provided in the form of gap financing for affordable housing rehab projects. In addition to meeting a national objective, CDBG projects must also be an eligible activity. The broad categories of major eligible activities include public facilities and infrastructure, so this could be parks, playgrounds, ADA curb ramps, pedestrian improvements, things like that. Public services, so this is usually meals on wheels or shelter operations. Acquisitions, so this could be for a property for public facility or housing. Clearance and remediation, so this could be to clean up a site for affordable housing, for example. Homeownership assistance, planning and admin, so this is staff costs, and environmental studies. I also would like to highlight some major ineligible activities. So uh, that would be general government buildings and expenses. So for example, you can't pay to renovate City Hall. Operating and maintenance activities. So this would be things like custodial staff, cleaning. Um, operating, I'm sorry, uh, purchasing of construction equipment and furnishings. New housing construction, political and religious activities. Uh, regional parks and facilities are the main ones there. 
And before I move on to the next few slides, I also want to note that there are a few other things we have to take into consideration when evaluating projects to include in the action plan. And one of the more important factors is project readiness. We have an obligation to HUD to expend funds in a timely manner, so it's important to select projects that are ready to go and spend funds quickly. We usually like to see projects that can spend funds down within 12 to 18 months or sooner if possible. This slide shows the estimated funding entitlements for the city for 2025. We typically receive the final approved amount from HUD in April of each year. So for planning purposes, we base this year's estimated entitlement on what was most recently approved allocation, anticipating no change in entitlement. For 2025, we estimate we will receive about 4.6 million for CDBG, and we just discussed what activities that can fund. For home, we expect about 2.7 million, and these funds usually go to acquisition and construction of multifamily affordable housing projects. For ESG, we estimate about 395,000, and these funds go to help people who are homeless, for example, through rental assistance, as well as operations for emergency shelters. For HOPWA, we expect about 2 million, and this is used for either services or physical units as part of multifamily projects for people with HIV or AIDS. And overall, we're estimating about 9.695 million in total for these federal programs in the city. For CDBG, the annual entitlement is divided up among several categories. This table shows how funds may be utilized in 2025 based on that $4.6 million projection. For estimating purposes, we allocate the maximum allowable for public services and admin, and then work backwards from there to um, determine how much is available in the other categories. We're allowed to allocate a maximum of 15% for public services, so this is about 690,000, and these funds are usually used for um, homeless activities and Meals on Wheels. A maximum of 20% is used for planning and admin, so this is about 920,000, and this is used for staffing and admin fees as well as development of our consolidated plan. 722,000 will be going to the HUD loan repayment, and this is for a section 108 loan for the infrastructure at Marisol Village. And then about 1 million will be available for public facilities and infrastructure. And then a little over 1.1 million for affordable housing. And this is for multifamily rehab and home repairs for low and moderate income homeowners. And the last category is capital reserve, which is a contingency bucket. And for this, we reserved about 128,000. Um, this slide, it's a little small, but uh, these next few slides will show what public facility and infrastructure projects have been funded in each district for the consolidate, current consolidated plan period from 2020 through 2024. The columns identify the project, the years the projects were funded, as well as the amount, and then you'll see the total funded in each district. I won't read through each individual project, but as you can see, this represents a quite breadth of, in, of investments, of in, I'm sorry, of infrastructure projects and types of projects that we typically fund. You also see some districts have more projects than others, and this is just because um, some uh, locations have more eligible low mod areas than others. The first slide shows districts one through three, and in these districts we fund, funded several park improvement projects, as well as some street and safety improvements and studies and planning activities. This slide shows projects approved in districts four and five, which again included several parks, sport court improvements, an ADA restroom, street improvements, and a lighting study. You can see that some projects span multiple districts. For example, Broadway Complete Streets is located in both districts four and seven. 
And here, this slide includes districts six through eight, which includes mainly street and park improvements. So overall, we invested over 9.9 .9 million in CDBG funds towards infrastructure improvements over the last consolidated planning period. This final slide outlines the process moving forward to complete the consolidated plan, as well as identify projects for the 2025 annual action plan. This month, SHRA has already initiated the process with city staff to start thinking about the projects for next year. We're also holding our first action plan workshops at the commission and city council, which is this meeting today. In February through May, we will be meeting with city staff to identify projects and confirm if they're eligible. And during this time, we will also start hosting our consolidated plan workshops with stakeholders and begin our public engagement process. In June, we should have a draft list of projects for 2025 identified, and we'll head back to the commission and city council with that draft list. And we will also hold our first public hearing for the consolidated plan. June through August, we'll continue meeting with staff as needed to finalize projects, and we'll also continue with the consolidated plan workshops and community outreach. Then in August, we should have started circulating that draft consolidated plan, and we'll hold our second consolidated plan public hearing. At this point, the action plan budget should be complete, and August through October, we'll be finalizing the consolidated plan and the action plan. Then we will come back to the commission and city council in October for approval of those two plans, and finally submit the plans to HUD in November. So this concludes my presentation. Once again, we welcome any input you have on either the consolidated plan engagement process or the action plan projects. Um, and you can provide those either to us now or you can reach out anytime between now and the next workshop planned for June 11th. Thank you for your time and I'm open to any questions. Thank you very much for a good, good thorough presentation. Um, do we have public testimony? We do not. We do not, so let's turn it to the members. I'll save my, uh, my question for after I hear from my colleagues. Councilmember Valenzuela. Thank you, and I know the parks team, as usual, has their list ready to go, so I'm not gonna focus on that because we'll wait to see what comes forward from that. I do, um, I know last year, similarly, I mentioned the emergency rental assistance. Um, I'm getting more and more calls, and I don't know if my colleagues are getting these calls as well from people who can't afford to move, um, who are in an unaffordable apartment situation and literally can't afford something like an application fee because um, they're paying $45 every time to get a credit check to try to even try to get in to a cheaper apartment and so I don't know if we've ever looked at it seems like it would be a relatively small amount of money out of that services bucket to say hey if you're meet a certain income threshold and you're trying to apply for an apartment and you don't have the money to keep shelling out 45 45 45 dollars um, Similarly, just like the one-time moving expenses, because um, we know first and last month's rent can be a hurdle for somebody who's trying to move from uh, one apartment to another. Um, you know, I have one constituent right now who's in her 60s, who's low income, whose rent went up within the allowable limit, and she can't afford to move. And so she's looking at potential homelessness, which is obviously not an outcome we want. So, but I don't have, I can't identify any other resources in the county right now that would help with those sort of things. So if we could try to figure out if there's a small sliver of that services money that comes through, I think that could make a real difference to keeping some people housed. So just my two cents. Thank you, Council Member, uh, Council Member Guetta. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Yeah, I was gonna ask about the ESG funding to see if there was anything we could do, at least on the application fee side as well. Um, and, um, uh, but uh, moving on the infrastructure side on the CDBG funds, um, I, um, I, I wonder on that 1.1 million if there are 
you know, particular projects that, you know, the, uh, that the city the, uh, uh, public works department could identify that are safe routes to school projects where we could do some, you know, either speed lumps, uh, intersections, stop signs, you know, traffic, you know, traffic calming for common routes to school. No, we're reducing speed limits. We just did that last week on 21st Avenue. It's a, it's a thoroughfare between two elementary schools, a high school, and a library. Um, but if we don't have the, the, uh, the infrastructure to also reduce the speeds or the enforcement to do that, and I know this funding can't um, pay for enforcement, but maybe it could pay for speed lumps also, um, you know, adding um, stop signs or, or lighted crosswalks that, that uh, meet our standard there. Um, I think that's an important one where if we, you know, focus some of that in targeted areas for safe routes to schools, um, that would be, I think, an important thing to consider along with our normal park improvement plan. So uh, with that, uh, thank you, Mr. Mayor. Thank you. Uh, Councilmember Kaplan. Thank you, Mayor. Um, I would be interested as well, knowing answers to the questions my colleagues both both asked, but I'll also say I do urge, you know, Natomas has done safe routes. Let's get Sac City on board to do it. You know, I know we're in some tough budget times, but uh, our school districts can help pick up the slack um, as well. I, I don't want it just to be us helping Sac City. You know, if Natomas is doing it on its own, then why aren't we helping Natomas or Robla or Twin Rivers? So it's just something when we look at equity, uh, because you know I'm all a fan of safe routes to school, but also I think we need to leverage our schools on that. So one question I have, um, when we do the renter's helpline, do you have data that breaks it down of where the calls are coming from, like what areas? So we do have data that breaks it down um, by area, and it gets us to down to the um, zip code level, I think is the, the best we can provide. Um, so we can certainly overlay that with the districts if you're interested in seeing that. I, just even getting down to the, the zip code, I think most of us, it would be welcome to understand where the call's coming from. And then also to understand, you know, what percentage of residents are you able to help? What, you know, do they get a resolution or are they calling and going nowhere? Because um, it's like Council Member Valenzuela said, I think we need to look at how do we prevent homelessness and those already in housing. Are there things out there that we could look alternatively um, on how to spend the funds? And then, Mayor, um, as wearing your D2 hat, yes. um, I hope we can partner because part of my community is Robla. Robla, sure. And the Robla Community Park has been asking for a restroom for I 20 years. I remember when we went out there and looked at it. 20 years they've been asking, and that benefits both D1 and D2, that um, I am fully supportive. I don't want anything for D1. Whatever you were going to potentially allocate to my district needs to go uh, towards actually constructing restrooms in that community park, because it is a community park. And in this city, we say they have restrooms. Neighborhood parks, no. Community parks, yes. And it's been 20 years. Um, D2 needs to see the equity. Um, it's used by my residents as well as D2, and so I want to advocate high that that is funded because you already did the design it's ready to go so I, I would just like to see us funding uh, the construction of those restrooms thank you thank you I join you in that um, just considering all of the other all the other needs and choices but I think it's definitely worthy okay Councilmember Jennings and Vice Mayor Maple uh, thank you mayor uh, just a quick question and then uh, a comment um, the nine million six hundred ninety-five thousand—you may have already answered this, and I just didn't hear it. Uh, increase or decrease from last year? 
Um, I think it was a bit of an, well, we're basing our estimate on last year's entitlement, so we're estimating about the same amount, but we did get an increase last year from the previous year. Okay. Okay. So that answers that question. And then um, I read somewhere in the report that um, SHRA has man managed and administered uh, these funds since 1982. So that's like 42 years. It's like one year less than I, I'm, I'm my age. <laughs> so 42, that's incredible. And I just wanted to acknowledge you and the staff for the great work in administering these funds um, for 42 years. So congratulations. Thank you. Thank you, absolutely. Um, Vice Mayor Maple. Thank you. Um, yeah, I actually was, was on a similar vein, really wanted to appreciate, I think especially the process. Um, you know, last year was my first year going through it and I had a lot of questions and, um, about how it worked and, um, and just found your team uh, to be incredibly um, helpful, knowledgeable, help, help me walk through the process and understand. And so just really appreciate that. And, I, and this, these dollars matter. You know, I rep, you, know, you can almost layer on entirely on my district some of these disadvantaged communities. Um, and so they, they make a difference. I mean, this is real, real areas. I, you know, we're seeing them in action right now, actually, um, in some of our parks and, and other areas of the district. And so it matters to our community members and just always appreciate your help. So um, all great suggestions. I, I just want to pose, though, a challenge. Uh, maybe it's a seed. And I think I've done this every single year. Um, no one has yet taken me up on it, but that's okay. That's why it's a seed. And that is wondering, looking at the amount of money, which is $5 million a year and so many worthy needs and projects. And, you know, there's two ways of investing public dollars, right? And that is to spread them wide. Um, but, you know, as they say, maybe an inch deep, maybe two inches deep, or to focus on one or two things that um, might be most impactful. And I, I think the, and the addition to that observation has always been wondering whether or not, given um, the fact that this allocation is an annual allocation, yes, it can go up and it can go down, but CDBG is pretty much, is embedded in the federal budget, and I don't think there's any, um, real worry that it's going to go away, though you never know in, these, in, the, in this day and age, <clears throat> whether or not it is possible to securitize any part of this revenue stream to be able to make an even greater impact. And so I combine that observation with Councilmember Valenzuela and, uh, and Councilmember Guedes observation and thinking about, I was looking on the Google here about uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs um, and the, the fact that we must do everything possible to close the front door to homelessness, right? This age old problem that we have, right? I mean, thousands of people we've gotten off the streets and yet the problem has grown worse. How many people who are fragile um, and barely housed or going to become homeless if we don't intervene. And we did so heroically during, you know, and SHRA was at the, uh, at, on point on this, right, with the rental assistance funds through the ARPA funding, and we know that ran out. Well, should we be considering in this environment 
using these dollars for one thing and one thing only, namely keeping people housed. I just want to put it out there because, and, and I know this might require some soul searching for members, right, in your districts, and even me, right, who wants to see more citywide projects, um, to say no um, for the next couple of years, we want to make sure that we have an ongoing source of funding to be able to help what would add up to, I mean, if you did this, say, over three years, $15 million, you'd be talking about thousands of families. I just think that we just need to shake ourselves a little bit, right? This process is a good and great one, and the, and the positive investments are, there would be a loss to not do that. But compared and contrasted with what's happening in our community with people and with families, I, I just think that ought to be considered as we debate this over the course of the months. We know we're going to be facing difficult budget circumstances here at the city, but I'm just can't continue the cycle of fighting like you know what to get people off the streets with all the resources only to see the next cohort become homeless. So I'll take a motion. Just kidding. <laughs> Not really. There's no motion yet, but I want you to I want to, I want that to be presented as some sort of an option including looking at the possibility of multi-year commitment or some sort of securitization based upon the fact that um, this is a reliable source of ongoing revenue. And I know rental one-time money, rental assistance, but if you created another pot and fund, how many families could we prevent going on the street? I'm done with my sermon, my preaching. Okay, but Amen. thank you. Okay. <laughs> Ms. Dozier. I just really wanted to say um, thank you to the council for all of the inputs. This is exactly the type of information that we need as we move forward and develop the plan and come back to you and also meet with the city staff. Um, I also wanted to point out that I will be looking to see what other types of resources. Um, there might be some resources that are coming from the state. Um, as well as the feds that would address those fees for people who are trying to move from one apartment. And so um, I appreciate you bringing that up because if we can't serve it through CDBG, then I will be looking to see what other sources might be available that we can tap to help residents in that respect. And I am starting to see from the federal level um, that they are trying to really hone in on really assisting and helping with things like security deposit fees, those types of things. So we'll um, take that information and be bringing it back to you as well. Thank you. All right. <coughs> that was a good, uh, good first hearing, and I know we're going to have subsequent hearings on this matter. So thank you very much. Good job. Thank you. All right. Um, let's see here. I think that ends the, uh, the formal part of the agenda. We do have council comments, ideas, and questions on the, uh, in the executive director's report. Okay. Nothing, nothing. If there's nothing else to come before the housing authority, we will meet again at 2 o'clock. Oh, do we have public comment? This is a special meeting. It's a special meeting, so we don't have public comment. Uh, we will convene as a city council in a half hour at 2 o'clock for the workshop on uh, the police department. We are adjourned. Thank you.